have asked for from CBS an expert to talk to us about the January 6th committee hearings that are underway. Uh, lots of folks might uh, have an observation about those. They certainly lack objectivity, but at the same time, if you uncover a fact, a fact is a fact, but you, of course, have to watch out for... Oh, I'd like to have that laminated for my wallet. That's very profound. <laughs> the sky is blue. This much we know for sure. But how does everybody feel about it is why we had to bring in an expert. Thane Rosenbaum is here. He's an American novelist, essayist, distinguished university professor. We see him on the lecture circuit, hosts his own uh, interview program, and he's a CBS legal analyst. So, Thane, thank you so much for calling our radio station today. Very much appreciated. Yes, thank you, sir. Joy talking to you both. Thank you. We're talking about January 6th. The first thing that comes out is we may come out with some interesting information from the hearings, but the question arises, they're not presented in objective fashion. People are used to maybe seeing a court situation where you have cross-examination and hearsays not allowed. Explain why January, the value that the January 6th committee hearings have. If any. Well, remember, Congress's duty is to investigate, right? The question is, what is its purpose for the investigation? So generally speaking, when Congress investigates, it has to, has to have a, a legislative purpose. So that's sort of one of the questions I think, you know, Republicans have. Is this political? Is this just an opportunity to keep Donald Trump uh, alive because it distracts from other issues? Or does this have a legislative purpose? Now, the question there is, well, what about a criminal proceeding? Well, at the end of this, I suspect the committee will turn over everything that it received to the Justice Department and ask the Justice Department, can you bring a criminal indictment against the president? The Justice Department has no obligation to do that, right, for many reasons. They don't carry the bags of Congress. They could conduct their own investigation and say, thank you very much for this information. Um, But so there is also the possibility that this does have a legislative purpose, right, so that at the end of this, Congress decides, you know, we really should take another look at the Electoral Count Act, right, or things that came out of this election that could have been fixed through, uh, you know, through legislation. Um, then the last thing I would say is, like, well, it's an investigation that may doesn't, perhaps doesn't have a cr- criminal implications because the Justice Department won't take action, but it does have political effects, which is that it's, it gives the nation another look at January 6th, gives it a little different material, um, uh, and with the idea that maybe, you know, from the perspective of uh, Democrats, that Donald Trump's core supporters will withdraw from him, leave him. Um, and so in, in some ways, you know, there's the hope that the president will be indicted and imprisoned to keep him out of the election or new next election or that his own core supporters and other republicans will leave him out of revulsion that comes out of the various hearings that we've had so far Thane, how would you characterize what's come out of them so far in terms of public attitude are you sensing that the public is hanging on every word or that they're yawning and saying i'm more concerned about the price of gas at the bump <laughs> I suspect that the price of the gas at the pump and other, you know, inflationary problems are more front and center um, for a lot of reasons. First, given what I said before about revulsion, you know, Donald Trump's core supporters, we learned from 
over the last six years. He's boasted about that, right? He said, I could shoot somebody on Fifth Avenue and my supporters will still love me. So, you know, the issue was always, well, you know, everything about him is already baked in, right? And his core supporters support him and like the fact, I mean, when I look a lot at, at what we've seen over this investigation, I see really very, very, very strong evidence that Donald Trump is a very bad person, if it's true. But I'm not sure it's criminal, right? It's I continue to look at this and say, I know, but are these indictable offenses? And that is something that the Justice Department is going to have to take a hard look at. If what has been revealed is true, again, it speaks to narcissism, uh, recklessness, impulsivity, <laughs> you know, uh, irresponsibility, even perhaps gross negligence in some regard, but I'm not sure it achieves what people thought, which is, is he directly responsible for the, in any way, as being part of a conspiracy uh, with the Proud Boys and the Oath Keepers uh, when they lay siege to the Capitol? Was he or any of his staff uh, part of those conversations in a true Conspiracy Conspiracy really requires a legal causal nexus between uh, parties that are in agreement that something is going to happen. And I don't think that there's yet been any evidence that demonstrates that the Oval Office was somehow in conversation with the people uh, who ended up breaking into the uh, Capitol building. This might sound like a strange question from what you just said then. We don't, you haven't quite heard enough to even support a conspiracy. What has to happen for that to occur? Do we need Roger Stone to say, President Trump told me to tell the Proud Boys to riot? Or, you know, what's what's sort of the, uh, the, the missing element here for a conspiracy charge or, you know, even a, a greater charge? Well, conspiracy requires an agreement. Literally, that's how it starts. It would be like the three of us somehow had an agreement to engage in an unlawful act, right? That's the key. In our country, legally speaking, we punish by a person committing an act that has a causal connection to some harm. And in the case to avoid situations where you don't have direct causal connections direct causes. You have to have an agreement to participate. That's why in a bank robbery, the, the, the guy who's driving or the woman who's driving the getaway car, if a policeman is shot or a guard is shot in the bank robbery, he or she, the driver, is also responsible for that. Why? Because he was in an agreement with the person who went into the bank that they were going to be part of an unlawful act. And so in order for there to be seditious conspiracy, which is what the main charges are against the Oath Keepers and the Proud Boys, we're going to need some connection, some agreement, right? That that language is not out yet. Now, that doesn't mean that there isn't some things that could be criminal. There is a federal statute that go to this idea that you cannot uh, obstruct an official meeting of the federal government that's in progress to defraud and and by doing so defrauding the American people. So you could say, well, the attempts to pressure Vice President Pence are obstructions of a federal meeting, right? To 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 to, to disrupt what happened on January sixth. 
But yes, I think you're going to need something that looks a lot closer, that there was actual contact where it's not just what we heard the other day, that it's possible that the some people in the Oval Office knew that there might be violence. They have to help set the violence in motion by actually being in contact with those people that, bro- that broke into the Capitol building. Well, Thane Cassidy Hutchison's testimony came as something of a, a shock at the last minute. Do you think that was a partisan timing issue on the part of the Democrats? You know, they, the House went on its spring break. There's nobody there on the Republican side who can counteract what she had to say. So they rush her out, bring her out, and now she's implicated Pat Cipollone so that I guess he's going to have to testify. I mean, is this, how partisan is this on a scale of zero to 100? <laughs> well, you know, he doesn't have to testify. I mean, I, I don't know if he will. First of all, he's the White House counsel, and all lawyers tell their clients, you can be open and honest with me. You must be, because I'm here to help you, and I'm bound by the attorney-client privilege not to reveal uh, what you've told me. And I would be very surprised if Cipollone said, it didn't say, my client is the President of the United States, and I am not revealing client confidences. Sorry, go talk to somebody else. I'm 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 his attorney, um, and so I I when I heard that that they're seeking his testimony. I mean, he might, you know, he they could he could say, well, this is an illegal proceeding, right? This is a congressional investigation. But I would be very very surprised. But your point is a good one, right? Because she was not a surprise witness. I thought that that's what they brought everyone back for, right? We found someone new. We didn't find someone. She, we already we already have her deposition. But she was going to add to it a little in a more, perhaps more graphic, shocking detail. Um, so, but again, when I hear what she said, right, he threw his lunch against the, you know, the wall, <laughs> the president, because he was really, really mad. Yeah, this is, there is nothing that you can tell me about the Donald Trump that's going to that's all he, of course, he threw his lunch against the wall. This, again, this level of irresponsibility, recklessness, you know, rage. Um, but that's very different. The fact that he wanted to go to the Capitol and be with the Oath Keepers. So what? I, you, so what he wanted? Of course, he wants to be with the Oath Keepers. Does that mean because he wanted to also break into the Capitol with him because he knew that that's what they were going to do and he was going to lead the charge? That I that, that's very different than saying I want to be there with, because remember the the Congress is not focusing on the key language that came out during the Senate uh, impeachment trial, which was what he says. And again, they don't want to talk about this, but this was a very key line where he said, "I understand that you're all going to be walking over peacefully and patriotically soon to the Capitol to make your voices heard." Mm-hmm. And that is not that is not incitement to imminent lawlessness. <laughs> I know it's just not. Now I understand it's irritating. That a lot of tweeted, but that just is that's like an exonerating line. But you know what? You haven't heard that line in the investigation. It's been distressing to me. It's like, are you going to ever show that line? Because <laughs> that is that he said peacefully and patriotically will march together to make your voices heard. You know what, gentlemen? That is exactly what the Founding Fathers said the First Amendment was for. <laughs> well, I think that was his uh, legal out to make sure that he, he put that clause in the speech so he'd have, have this for later use. Yeah, and, 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 and you know, I will tell you, it, it, 
you know, and I'm I'm a CVS straight shooter. You know, my, I'm not partisan, but I can't imagine a court in America with that line saying, "Yes, you are stripped of your free speech rights because you incited violence." That line is not an example of inciting imminent lawlessness. He may have done a lot of other irresponsible things. Look, he shouldn't have been there. He shouldn't have been speaking. Yeah, that's all true. But that line has not been introduced in evidence or dealt with because it's really exonerating. Um, and so, as I said, there's a lot here about him, you know, showing the same kind of impulsivity and irresponsibility that we're that he's famous for. But I'm not sure that what we've seen so far yet are actual criminal acts, except for one, which is the potential obstruction of a federal meeting, an official meeting that was in progress, and that was the certification of the electoral count. Well, the second part of my question had to do with uh, the level of partisanship here. If uh, 100% is totally partisan and 0% is not partisan at all, where, where do you come down, or where, where, what the, what's the consensus with how partisan or unpartisan is this hearing? Well, it's extremely partisan because I think you said, or one of the two of you said, you know, the Sixth Amendment is, offers the, the Confrontation Clause. In our country, you have to conf- be able to be given a right to uh, confront your accusers, to rebut what is said about you, uh, to, to present your own evidence, to call attention to other values that are not being presented uh, on your behalf. So, you know, this lacks that foundational requirement that we see in a criminal case of being able to confront your accusers. So in the absence of, you know, that kind of rebuttal testimony, um, it, it, it has the look of something that is more political, partisan, than a more formalized, you know, trial or a true investigation where you can cross-examine what's being said against you. Um, like, for instance, you know, we are now told that this anecdote that she told about him, the president, lunging for the steering wheel and almost attacking one of the Secret Service agents, well, that was hearsay evidence. She wasn't there. In, in a trial, you know, an immediate objection. Your Honor, that's hearsay. Right. Uh, Plus and it. guess what happened? The, the Secret Service agents are now saying we would like to come in and say that that didn't happen, right? Now, in a trial, that inconsistent statement, that statement that had such dramatic effect the other day, that ended up now being possibly untrue as just pure hearsay, would ordinarily discredit the value of the rest of the testimony in many cases. And again, it's it's not going to happen at this point because it sounds like she's the star witness but I'm not sure what she really added that's criminal in nature as opposed to what you're saying, partisan in nature. Well, thank you so much for your information and your analysis yes, and uh, walking us through this. We very much appreciate it. Thanks for making yourself available through CBS as well. Thank you, sir. Thanks, Thane. Any time for you both. Thank you both. Take care. Uh, thank you. That is uh, Thane Rosenbaum, uh, law professor and uh, attorney and CBS legal analyst and uh, a real expert on free speech and uh, expert in things that relate to the Holocaust. I did lots and of I research. Think- 
Very fair and right down the middle. Right. Yeah. I think he's too <laughs> conservative. Pretty good. Do you think he's too liberal? <laughs> no. I, I thought he, he. I thought he made excellent points all the way up and down the line. Yep. I agree. All right.